We haven't done this in a while. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Brave Room. We have had a lovely one-week break, thanks to our new schedule. If you are wondering what happened to last week's episode, remember, we're now back on the fortnightly schedule. With me today in The Brave Room, we have... Hi there. It's Alex again. Because we have a lot of great topics that I'm pulling Alex away from his regular work to talk to to talk about. Yeah. So you know, this podcast is literally just this is the equivalent of uh of a therapy session. We just come on this podcast, we talk about whatever we want, really. And then I find a way to bend it to make it like game industry related, so it counts as a work expense. Indeedy. Anyways. I don't know what we're talking about this week. We have a 50-50 split because the only thing I want to talk about is Cowboy Bebop. But I don't know if we're doing this as a spoiler cast of the live-action Cowboy Bebop or a spoiler cast of the original Cowboy Bebop. I think we should just do do it of both of them because it's kind of hard to talk about either of them without spoiling stuff. Yeah, or spoiling the other because, you know... The Zeitgeist is the Cowboy Bebop live-action that just came out. And if you want our thoughts about it, Alex has written a lovely review about it. Indeed. Go check it out. Especially Indeed. if you are a small-time YouTuber who totally should have gotten the early access instead of us. <laughs> uh. it's a, it's a, we tell jokes here, people. We tell jokes here. But yeah, no. So we... I should point out, you finished Cowboy Bebop. I have not finished it. Live action, I mean. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I got... Now, I've seen the original Cowboy Bebop probably a good... Uh, good God. Ages, years ago. And uh, so I watched the new one, uh, Early Access and all that, and then I went back and watched the old one again just to kind of fresh my memory of it. And... Oh, boy, yeah, that's like uh, the worst... That's the worst way to look. No wonder you were so... You were so critical of it. Well, you know, I feel like when you do a review of something that's an adaptation, especially an anime adaptation, you kind of want to make sure... I just wanted to make sure my thoughts were straight. You know, I wasn't just kind of remembering things from the original that weren't actually there. And, yeah, spoiler alert, uh, the anime's better. I'm yeah. Sorry. Okay, so I think I watched it in the... I was in the best position to watch live action because I was kind of watching the two simultaneously when we got our early access. Hey, thanks Netflix. Uh, <coughs> but yeah. So, I I had like, I was very early on in my watch through the original Cowboy Bebop because I had not seen it prior to this. Everyone was telling me to watch it and like a fool I said no. And then finally I saw a Funko Pop of the Ballad of Fallen Angels and it looks so beautiful that I was like, I need... Like, if you can make a Funko Pop look this good, I need to know where it came from. <laughs> and so that's how I that's how I started watching Cowboy Bebop. Nice. But yeah. So, like, during my watch through, when I started the live action, I don't think it was that bad at first. So, my opinion of it... I can't remember the exact score. I gave it, I think, a 6, like, high 6, low 7, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And my opinion was, it was slightly above average. 
I mean, it's definitely yeah. one of the better anime adaptations, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Like, for me, like, I remember I was talking to Nigel a, a bit later after we published a review, just direct chat, and he was like, oh, so is it good? I was like, I don't know. The thing is, I didn't like... It, it had definite problems. It, it, was, it had really... Really had definite problems. Real moments I was left like, no, you, you please stop. <laughs> but at the same time, it had a few good things as well. And when you compare it to, say, Death Note live action or Dragon Ball live action, it's it's better. It's it's not on the same level as those. So I, I have to give it credit in that regard. It feels like, at the very least, the people who made this watched the original. Yeah, yeah, that's what it means the other one. Yeah, yeah. And um, the way I described it to my friend is if you told me this was Firefly and then, you know, and then in an interview, the director goes and says, oh, yeah, you know, I really watched a lot of Cowboy Bebop growing up. I would say, hey, this is a pretty good show. You know, all things considered. Mm. But the problem is they're like, no, but this is Cowboy Bebop. And I was like, okay like yeah like you said like there's some really really good shots like i really like the cinematography for a lot of it yeah yeah um in general i think everything with the production was good like i hear a lot of people saying oh they look like cosplayers it's just like well yeah they look like the characters in live action of course they look like cosplayers and uh, but but even like the sets the uh, the ship it all looks fairly spot on to the to the original show, um, the original anime. So, I even like like the cinematography. It it sort of tries to mirror the anime, where it has a lot of these like still shots or these vi very dynamic Dutch angles. Obvious attempt to kind of get that same sort of uh, positioning that an anime would have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Listen, as someone who only sees like MCU related stuff. It feels so good to have actual cinematography again. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, cameras cameras can rotate. Cameras can focus on objects that aren't Robert Downey Jr. Who knew? Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Like, it's like, you know, I wouldn't call it like Guillermo del Toro level, right? Because that, that man is savant, is the only word for that. But... It was, you know, it was noticeably better. Like, I can't even describe it because I'm not one of those types, you know, those pretentious, like, filmy types. Like, ooh, the cinematography tells, tells you the... I know, but you do feel the, that little tingle when the shot's better, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, then, and of course, the music also, you know, they brought back Yoko Kano to do the, do the score. And yeah, once again, it's good. It fits the theme. Like, no, no complaints there. It's a great score. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Uh, I feel like the biggest problem for it comes from the fact that it's made by Americans. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, I know you just mentioned, like, oh, the MCU, but I think my problem is cinematography is not too MCU-ish. Some of the writing can feel very MCU-ish. Yeah, yeah, no, so that, that's the thing. Like, the, my point of the cinematography is that it's not MCU-ish. But, uh, the... Yeah, it's not just the writing, so... On a straight-up production level, you can see the Americanism go into it. And the first one is that it's an hour long. Oh, that's right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
is the first thing is that it's an hour long. Cowboy Bebop should never be an hour long. Does no, I agree. Uh, I think the biggest pr- the show was at its best. I think when it because the original Cowboy Bebop is super episodic. You know, it's just twenty minutes. You go in, they track down this bounty hunter. Maybe they learn something about their past or about each other. And then they just move on. And when the, when the TV show is like that, it's pretty good. But when they try and give it like an overarching plot, that's when I feel it really just dropped the ball. It did, did not carry the waves. Yeah, exactly. And that's the worst part about the live action is that it does have an overarching plot. Like, so you see Vicious in episode one, straight mm. up, Vicious and Julia, Julia, who you don't even know is alive until episode twenty-five. It's like, yeah, she is there. It just feels like they. I'm not gonna say they didn't get the point of these characters, but you know, yeah. I'm just gonna be honest. Um. I'm just straight up. My biggest problems with the live action because Cowboy Bebop's char- very character driven. Um, oh yeah. Problems were Focus, Julia, and Faye, and we'll get to Faye later. But yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like any discussion of live action Cowboy Bebop, we go and dunk on Faye. <laughs> oh no. Oh. But, uh, but yeah, it's just like vicious in the original. Out of 26 episodes, he's in five. Julia is in one. Two. two. And she's in... that's obviously very intentional. She's in two. Hey, she's in Real Folk Blues part one and two. Give her credit. <laughs> yeah, but then she dies like halfway through the second one. And only appears in the back half of the first one. <laughs> so yeah, it's more... It's one in a bit, basically. Yeah. So... But yeah, yeah, I. So that's uh, that's the thing, right? They are very seldom used. And, and I mean, sorry, you go. No, no, no. It's your rant. Go on. Um, the thing is, with vicious, he's in the original. He's scary partly because you don't know much about the guy other than he is a scary Sephiroth-looking dude with a giant katana, and he and kills a bird. People. And a bird. They didn't even give him the bird in this version. Let's be so, real. Well, there was you know, no budget for that. Film. And, you know, there's a intimidation factor. He's unpredictable. You don't know when he's gonna show up or what he's gonna do. In the live action one, you see way too much of him. You see his backstory, and his backstory is basically uh, he has daddy issues, and he looks like uh, Doc Brown. Yeah, the, the, the hairstyle did not translate well into live action. No, no offense to his actor, he seems like a nice guy, but you know. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get that. It's just here's the thing, though. Like you know, some people saying vicious is lame in live action. I agree, but I also think that like if you remove the fact that you know he's shot very well in the anime, like you know he's he always appears in dramatic scenes and stuff. If you just look at him as if he were a person, Vicious is the biggest loser ever, even in the anime. Uh, in the Gren episode for the anime, he holds a combat knife in an Eido stance. I will not deny that he is a <laughs> weeb. He is. He is. But, I, that's the thing. That's what I like about him. He is like, he is Virgil from Devil May Cry. Like, he is a loser on paper, but. I Every time he's on, Virgil. Yeah, you... 
I wouldn't be surprised if Virgil took from Vicious, who in turn took from Sephiroth, who in turn took from someone else. Just, you know, it's an archetype, and they're just using it for all they can. Yeah, it's great. Like, But again, like you said, it's because you don't see Vicious that much, so every time he appears, you're like, oh, it's that fucker! It's great! <laughs> Pretty much, and, you know, Julia, same thing, but different reasons. Julia, you know, she's all oh, yeah. mysterious, don't know much about her, but, I, you know, I think the one thing that gets me with Julia is her whole thing in the live-action one is she needs to learn to get out of this abusive relationship with Vicious, which, you know, not a bad message and all that, but in the anime, she did. Before the start of the series, she was she already left him. Like, yeah. It's okay, and that's that actually plays into my point. I, you can smell the Americanness injected into into the Cowboy Bebop live action, because, like you said, it's a very introspective series, right? Mm. But the the live action instead feels like these very American check marks for what they need to include, whether you know it suits the tone of the original or not. Like like you said, a get out of an abusive relationship arc is a good thing but you know it feels weird to put it into cowboy bebop when how is that related to anything like it just feels like no but we needed to have a girl power moment see julia's yeah. a girl boss guys yeah julia is a girl boss literally by the end of the series apparently uh. <laughs> i actually did like that bit just because fishes was so lame julia's been boring up till now you know, I, the idea that we're just going to push Vicious out of the way and just have Julia go psycho, you know, it, it's different, but it's interesting. I think it could make the character of Julia in the live action more interesting. So I am, I'm actually not against that. I, yeah, from, like I said, because you watched it on me. I, I've only heard your secondhand account of this, but uh, well, it's your firsthand account, my secondhand account. But yeah, no, like... I, I'm curious to see what they do. What they do is it in future, but it's just like from from my seats right now. It just sounds like okay, we needed we needed to give the girl in the love triangle a girl boss moment. No, I, that's sort of the big thing. I'm I'm not sure I worded this the best, but in my review, I basically said it feels the problem with the live actions plot is it feels very conventional, very. Like, it's sort of being restrained by your kind of usual Western TV drama tropes and archetypes. So, like, uh, for example, um, by the way, basically a lot of the stuff I'm saying is stuff that was going to be in the review before we found out we couldn't spoil loads of it, and we also needed to cut it down. So yeah, yeah. All, these are just blasting out. Um, so... Like, for example, and that's one of them, you need the girl boss moment, but you can see it in other characters, like Jet. Jet has a daughter and a divorced wife now, like... Uh, in the original anime, it's hinted in one episode, he has a long-lost daughter, but... Yeah, you can kind of just feel that we need to give a character... It feels like someone in the studio said, okay, we need to give a character a daughter because that way we make him more relatable. Yeah, and it's, um... I, I should point this out. Like, I interviewed the director, uh, Andre Nemec, and I this point bothered me so much that I had to bring it up in front of him. Which is that, yeah, no, I really like Anime Jet. Like, Anime Jet is a film noir character. 
he is straight up like out of a pulp fiction. He's this detective with, you know, he's this detective, former detective. Sorry, and he's got his this drama with his partner. He was in an accident. We don't talk about what the accident was, but he left the force after that, and you know he was fighting the syndicate, and and then there was the woman he was in love with. Oh, but she left him for another man, and this she's there at the bar working. Like it's very, very like it's powerful imagery. It's really cool. Like it just looks cool, and suddenly now you have like live action Jet. Who, by the way, Mustafa Shakir plays him really well. It's just I like Jet in live action. I thought he was other than I know I can find, but other than this daughter thing, which. I'm not even. I don't think it was even that badly done. I just felt it was unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. That, that's my point. Like suddenly, suddenly having him there, like being like, "Oh, about my daughter. It's my daughter's birthday." Oh, no. like he didn't need a kid in the anime because Spike was his kid. I mean, yeah, he's he's the dad of the team. Yeah, three, three kids and a dog. He needs to take care of. Yeah, he literally runs out of money and can't afford food at one point. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, actually, one more thing. Uh, I, you said you watched uh, the the anime subs, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mustafa Shakir, uh, his acting, his voice is near near identical to uh, the dub voice of Jet, whose voice I can't remember. I can't remember his name now, but he did a really good job of that. So yeah, okay. Really- this is another point in my call that if you called it anything else, I would have liked it. Is that he and John Cho get along so well? Mm, yeah, yeah. And like John Cho plays a great character, but I don't know if that character is Spike. I actually did like John Cho as Spike. Uh, I will admit he does he does have the occasional offline, but for the most part, I think he got down the mannerisms pretty well. I know a lot yeah. of people say he's too old, but be honest, I always thought Spike was in his mid thirties anyway, so it yeah, didn't yeah. Me. Uh, was this? I mean, considering the life Spike lives, like yeah, he's he should definitely be like an older guy. But that was just as old as you were allowed to draw the main character of an anime in the nineties. Yeah, Remember, sure. I am older than Misato was in Evangelion, and she was considered old. Yep, that's anime logic for you. We're all. We're all going on to being senior citizens by that. It's true. Um, but yes, but um, that's that's the thing though. He like he plays him well, but it's just that that constant overhang. And uh, I don't I don't want to harp on this topic too much. But yeah, the one the one other like Americanism is the fact that there is very clearly a season two. Yeah, yeah. It's just that like we got we gotta keep this going. Yeah, well, that's the big problem of all American television, because from what I understand, they basically just keep going until they get cancelled. And as because of that, they've always got to sort of have a mini wrap-up, but also something to tease the next season. Like so, Ed! Yeah. I mean, not all of them, you know, I've, you know, Game of Thrones, even though the ending was shit, Breaking Bad, they kind of had finale, proper finales, but... From what I've seen, a lot of Ameri- American shows are just like that. Just keep going until we, until we, it's confirmed that this is the last one. Yeah, look at Stranger Things. Hmm. Look, that, look at what they're trying to do to freaking Squid Game. 
Is that getting a second season? Oh yeah. Couldn't <laughs> no, need one though. Exactly. <laughs> oh, um, one more thing, like I need to ask you about it since you watched. How much more of Gren do you see? Oh yeah, the other character people kept coming about Gren. Not a lot. Be I don't. I didn't mention him in my review, and because. Okay, he's inaccurate, and it's not just because he's non-binary or whatever. He doesn't look like the character. But the thing is, he's such a minor character in live action that I just... I, I'm I'm indifferent to him. He's, I just kind of... In my mind, I just kind of say, well, he's just not the Gren of the anime. But he's also not a big deal, so... Yeah, I, I, that's what I felt was weird, is that like you know, they made such a big deal for... Like, it felt like Disney's representation. Oh yeah, totally. Like... We made such a big deal because I think I don't mind, like, you know, if you wanted to, to have a non-binary Gren, that would have been an interesting thing to do. But you completely glossed over what Gren's story is. And yeah, that I mean, was the point of the character. You literally yeah. just went, oh no, but in anime, he dude with, with breasts, so representation points, but not, not doing anything with the character. And also, like... How is it they turned the nice shop lady into like a central character with her underground bar where the syndicate and cops aren't allowed? Like apparently she curries enough influence that she can create a ceasefire zone. Like that's a thing. Whereas like, you know, in the anime she literally just runs a corner shop. I don't remember what her name Anna? Yeah. Yeah, so um, she's a syndicate member in the anime too, but... That's the thing of the anime. It's just okay with just saying, you know, how do I put this? It's it just not everything needs to be so big. Sometimes people who had these dangerous lives just end up running the corner shop. You know, it always sort of emphasized that you know Spike and Jet for all of their amazing backstories are kind of what B rates bounty hunters at best. You know, yeah, that, even just, that's a bit generous. Awesome in the galaxy they're just sort of scraping by you kind of always you kind of get the feel that these guys have had a had a life before now and they're just kind of what's the word chilling it out for in the yeah. meantime or something just kind of coasting really mm -hmm. and i yeah i do like i wanted to make like a prediction for season two as well just just because i just because i know how america works because my favorite thing about the anime is that shit is happening in the world like, you know, there was the gate disaster that destroyed Earth. There is whatever the lab was doing to Ayn. There is, you know, Spike's backstory, obviously. There is the secret government experiment that created Pierre Le Fou. And, you know, there's all this stuff is happening yeah. and it's lit the anime is literally just like, ah, we don't, we don't care. Yeah, so Pierre Le Fou is another big have like, have you gotten to his episode in the anime? I finished the anime already, yeah. Yeah. So, like, in, in, the, in the TV show, you know, he's specifically this hardcore assassin that the Vicious sends after Spike. In the anime, no, he's just some escaped, escaped lunatic who just happens to see Spike and it's like, yeah, I want to kill that guy. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, if I saw Spike Spiegel, I'd want to kill him too. <laughs> but yeah, no. So that, this is this is my prediction for season two: is they're gonna be like, we replicated Pierre Le Fou. And now, you know, and where we found the secret of why the gates exploded. And now you have to fight an army of Pierre LeFou's and yeah, no, it's... Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. 
Just make it a bigger scale than it really needs to be. So, uh, I think at uh, I do want to talk about like, the ending for the anime just just because I really loved it and no one no one in my real life wants to listen to me talk about it. But first, let's finish yeah. dunking on Faye. So Faye is like the typical, like she is the most girl boss checkbox I have ever seen. Oh yes. Um, the way I describe her is she is very Aquafina. If you've seen Aquafina in anything, yeah, Faye kind of just fits that to a T. She's this kind of eccentric yet trashy. I don't know what's the word. Eccentric, eccentric, trashy street talker who's uh, what's the word? Who likes to swear a lot? Yeah. Hey, numb nuts! You dumbos gonna do, gonna get the bounty? That's... Yeah, that's another thing. Like in the in the original show, Faye Faye was okay. She bounty hunted, but only when it was convenient to do so. Otherwise, she mostly laid on the couch and expect and kind of manipulated the other guys to do stuff for her. Yeah, that was um, a whole thing. Like where Spike didn't want to give her food because she wasn't pulling her weight. Hmm. And, you know, that, and that was cool, because thinking about Faye is, it's not that, and first of all, for me, it's not that, you know, she's not wearing the, the skimpy outfit, or she's not, like, all sexual and stuff, it's just she doesn't feel like Faye Valentine in this version. Yeah, no, um, and I think that's another thing that's really hard to translate into live action, is this very old anime trope, and we brought up Misato earlier as well, like, I, I call it the Misato trope, because because like she was my first uh, introduction to it but yeah it is the older woman who anyone who doesn't live with her would think she was the most lovely person on the planet but the main character lives with her and is like no that is a horrible person that is a monster you do not want to get near that yeah she she you know she she comes off as a femme as like this kind of femme fatale but when you actually look on the surface under the surface you know she's a little slobby she's a little lazy and i don't mean that to say that she's bad or anything it, it shows that she's more three-dimensional you know yeah, Faye exactly. is just describe in one word she's not just the cool one or the slobby one she's a bit of both yeah yeah and it's just like the, the fact that she was in episode one was also just kind of like eh. I get it. You gotta, you gotta have every major character has to be in episode one. It's like unspoken mm. TV rule. I think it might actually be a contract thing as well. I don't know. Probably. But yeah, I also feel that they just didn't give her like, I suppose like her back. Another thing that I find just weird is her backstory. I guess the uh, then you can edit out all my stuttering. Like you know, they in the in the anime they build up to it. It's okay. It's not exactly like super melancholy or anything, but you know, it's clear that it's supposed to be a very kind of, in I don't want to keep saying introspective, but a very kind of uh, provoke, provoke, provoking scene for her. And she gets, a and she has a lot of mixed feelings about it. And you know, it's something that we only find out towards the end of the series after being with Faye for a while. Here, she just literally, her second appearance, she's just like, I was frozen in time and I need to find my mom because it's her mom now instead of her girl her, her boyfriend or whatever you're gonna tell me where the fuck he is motherfucker and i'm just like already okay yeah no i think that's the other that's the other thing like that the live action just kind of misses the point of the point is 
like you there is kind of like a rapport between the viewer and the characters because you know the first time you meet spike you know he's literally just this chill dude who hates bell peppers and wishes he had enough food for for me and then it's not until you know the real it's not until ballad of fallen angels that you learn oh no there's there's something going on with spike and then it's not until the real folk blues my, my point was yeah so the first time you see a character like spike you know he's just this chill dude who's broke and then ballad of fallen angels comes along and you're like oh no he's got a bit of a dangerous past and then you get to real folk blues and it's like oh no it's even better than what you thought it was yeah i get what you mean it's another thing i say it feels constrained by that sort of western you got you gotta be straightforward you gotta give these characters you gotta tell the audience right away you know what their deal is otherwise they get I don't know, they get bored or something. Um, yeah. So, so, like, I think especially with the backstories, you know, I think right away you gotta go, this is Spike. He's a former gangster. He wants to take down his partner. This is Jet. He has a daughter. He needs to take care of his daughter. And this is Faith. She was frozen. She wants to find out... I mean, she wants to find out her past. That's the goal. No, no, Let's it's... Go. This is Faith. She's a girl, but she's a badass. Hashtag girl power. Hashtag woo. <laughs> yeah, and it's even with the messaging. Like, I, the one thing that I always got is that in the li- in in the live action. Actually, no, I'll start with the anime. In the anime, so it's quite obvious that Jet doesn't know Spike's path, and they never outwardly kind of explain who he is or to each other. But you you can see that. As the series goes on, Jet starts to realize a few things, but it never gets... But but it's still sort of nuanced, you know? You see that he still respects the guy, even if he's a little suspicious of him, and he generally cares for him. You know, there's a nuance to that. Yeah. In, in the live-action version, Jet has to have a big speech about, it's important to trust your partners, Spike. If we don't have trust, we'll fall apart. Oh, and by the way, did I mention I hate the syndicate? I'm a former cop and I hate the syndicate. I sure hope there's no syndicate members here. Yeah, and then Anna is just like, have you told Jet that he that you're from the syndicate? <laughs> no, because later on, since Spike has to be like, oh, go oh, golly whiz. I hope that Jet doesn't find out I'm from the syndicate. He might kick me off and not want to be my partner if he knows that. And then at the end of the series, Jet's just like, so, so you're from the Syndicate. Well, I still like you, Spike, but you're dangerous, so we have to go our separate ways. Damn. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, that's, that is a weird, weird thing. You know, like I said, it's just, it's just, the show feels, they gotta, it feels like they just went way more conventional way, just... You gotta let the audience know and give them the things that will make them root for them. So, let us do the final 10 minutes, the real folk blues appreciation, because that is... Holy shit, that, those are some of the best two episodes of anime I've ever seen. Uh, the final the final sequence is just like... You, you get what you mean when they say carry that weight, because you will never forget something that emotional. I never did. Most memorable in the show. I think it was, um, I can't remember if it was John Cho or Andrew Namek who described the anime as romantic. And I think, like, the last two episodes, especially, 
it's just there's so many moments that just like that hit so good like i was depressed watching the end of cowboy bebop knowing that i would never make something that beautiful like mm-hmm. like i don't know there's something about like okay so i lightly spoiled myself like i saw a jason fake one uh one of my eyes is fake it can it sees the future the other one sees and i thought like i'd watched so much shonen anime that i thought that was an actual thing he was saying like you know the, an actual power he had because of how good a fighter he was and then when mm-hmm. i actually got to that scene in the real folk blues i was like oh no it's so much better than that oh god that's so good like the the whole line is um yeah one of my eyes is fake so Every day now, one eye sees the future, and one eye can only see the past, or something like that. Like, yeah, that's good. And his, uh, that... and yeah, for me, one of those scenes that you, you feel that, you feel that it, it it just hits you. Yeah, you're not. It's like I hate to I hate to go snooty art critic on this, but you may not be an ex mobster, but I think everyone can relate to that feeling, like. That there is that one moment you're still looking back to, whether it was you know a good one or a bad one, I think. Mm. And then, and then yeah, you know, then you have the CU Space Cowboy plays while while Spike leaves the ship, and he's like, "I'm not going there to die. I'm going there to find out if I was ever alive." And it's just like, "Damn, you really mm. gonna drop banger after banger just like that?" <laughs> I mean, the final scene. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was working up to that as well. He gets, he gets to like Vicious's room, and Vicious is like, "No one can kill you but me." Didn't I tell you that already? And they get into the sick fight, and I assume Vicious is fucking dead by the end of that. And yeah, the fucking, I mean, the fucking bang is just like, oh, it's, yeah, that's just, that is good. <laughs> and the cut to black, and so you're gonna carry that weight. Like, that is beautiful. That is poetic cinema. <laughs> I hate being this pretentious about it, but it is really, really good. Yeah, it's cool. It's exactly what I what I think of it as well. It's just, yeah, it just hits. You know, when um, the final song "Blue" plays, and it's just, yeah, it sums up the scene. You know. Real in in its own dark way, um, you know uh, what's it? Spike has become free. He's free of the past, free of vicious, free of the syndicate, stuff yeah. like that. And uh, and yeah, it's just like I don't like you. Just couldn't do this in an American produced show because you you have to, you know, you would have to fit it into the mold. You know, heck, I think even a modern anime couldn't do couldn't do something that good. I mean, I, I mean, there's some good ones, but you know, Cowboy Bebop is like one of the best anime of all time, in my opinion, at least for a reason. Yeah, I, I can definitely see the the praise for it. Cause, yeah, like I said, it's it is it is actually that good. Like, it's one of those anime that genuinely lived up to the hype. As someone who'd heard nothing but good things about Cowboy Bebop and never watched it. Mm. Like at first, like I can agree that like, especially nowadays, if you're watching it for the first time, the episodic format can be a bit like weird. Like especially once you start 
getting like hints of the plot, I can see people mm-hmm. like, oh, do we really have to talk about the space trucker? So like, yes, well, that's, I liked it for that reason. In fact, I think a lot of Westerners liked it for that reason. It was kind of like, yeah, once you've watched it all, you just go back to your favorite episode, and it's like you don't have to worry about any plot stuff. It's just enjoy the ride, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, this is, that's just like so much good in that series. Like, um, the other really powerful scene for me was when Faye goes to her childhood home and, you know, draws out the shape of her bed and just kind of sits mm. there. And it's just like, yeah, it's really hard to do that in a live action scene as well because you need that level of control that you only get in animation. Mm, definitely. And like the episode where, uh, since we're going to, like, yeah, when, when Ed leaves the bebop, like, I don't even remember what that episode was about, but. The, the way that episode made me feel fucking stuck with me. Definitely, it's just... I like there's no big goodbyes there again. It's not like there needs to be a big, Ed, you're leaving, but you should follow your dreams. She just leaves. And it just lets you linger on that feeling. Yeah. Also, like, one last thing before we get out of here is that, uh, you know the episode where Jet is, like, chasing after his dead friend? Mm-hmm, yeah. The, and he brings the little girl on the ship. I love yeah. the fact that they comment that the, the bebop smells like an ashtray. Like, suddenly, because there's there's a little girl there, like, suddenly you realize that, oh no, all three of them smoke. Like, to the point that they will smoke whenever and wherever they want. And it's only because there's a girl that Jet doesn't want to, to ruin the lungs of that suddenly it becomes... A, like, that is the most realistic thing. As someone who is friends with a bunch of smokers... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the girl that apparently might actually be Jet's daughter, but once again, ambiguous in the anime. Uh, yeah, who who knows? And I kind of like that that's, you know, it's not the point. <laughs> it's not the point who Jet's daughter is. It's not, it's not the point what happened between Julia, Vicious, and Spike. That, like, I legit don't, I legit don't actually know what happened between the three of them. <laughs> Like the hints are so vague that I, and you know uh, I, I'm against the idea of like going to a wiki to find to have it spelled out to me. Um. Well, it's a lot simpler than the live action show. I I can tell you that much. So my understanding is Julia was working for the syndicate as well. Question mark. Uh, oh, Julia was with Vicious in both versions. In both versions, she has an affair with Spike. Uh, Vicious finds out, but in the anime version, he ba- being the very cold murder dude he is, he basically just tells her, okay, I want you to meet Spike and then fucking kill him. So uh, she she schedules the meeting with Spike, and then she just can't, she can't go through with it, so she just runs away and leaves, and Spike just stands there with his bouquet before he leaves as well. And then at what point is he... What point do they try to kill? Because he does still like almost die. Ah, okay. But yeah, no. I don't know. They they're, they're they're very vague on it, which isn't so bad. Yeah, again, it's it's a thing I like about it. It's like here's all these things that happen, but none of it matters because here's the characters' feelings. Hmm. Also, yeah, that shot of Julia dying. Hmm. Excellent. Hmm. That is that is. Uh, I guess one final thing before we probably have to head off. Uh, so Ed needed to take 
10 steps away from the camera in the action version. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the making fun of live action. It is a kind of a dead horse by now. But yeah, this is... A, Sorry, I can't help myself. I no, it's okay. it's okay. We we couldn't record this episode last week, so yeah. Yeah, you do generally. Right? I actually, the girl who plays Ed... Uh, uh, it's not, she, not she a girl, by the way. What? The, the person who plays Ed is a, a non-binary person. Okay, is Ed, nine, is, is Ed the character in the show non-binary? I have no idea. I spoke okay, to well, Andre Nemec about it, and he didn't say <laughs> all right well well i don't know i, I anime and it's still a girl so i'm just gonna yeah. refer to her as that for now um i actually think ed in the live action show was actually pretty okay they just needed to not, not open with her about to eat the camera yeah fair <laughs> that that is that is true and i like, there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said by lots of people, but yeah, that's, that is, that is true. I, I, I wouldn't know how to solve this problem for live action either. The hair probably would have fixed it, but. Like I said, I think the, the actual portrayal was mostly okay. Just didn't, just don't start with that image. Yeah. That, that, first impressions matter, guys. That's the lesson to take mm -hmm. here. And with that, we have another episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Alex for coming on. Thank you, everyone. Don't forget, you know, leave a comment, thousand plays. I have to do something terrible, terrible, terrible. Like maybe finish watching live action Cowboy Bebop. Uh, yeah, leave comments like that. Uh, remember, there won't be a podcast next week. We will be moving back to our fortnightly schedule. And... Take care, guys. Also, the the first anniversary of the Brave Room is coming up. It's uh, 18th of December, if I remember correctly. Nice. So, so you know, to, uh, take that into consideration, guys, and take care. See you. See ya.